Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. Here's a story for you, a story called The God Who Sees Me. Today we begin a new series here at All Places Together in which we will read a story from a person in the Bible and dig into it. We'll look at what was going on in history when this person lived and how God partnered with them. And in all of it, I hope we'll catch a glimmer of ourselves that will think, oh, I've said that, or goodness, that is just like me, or even I remember when I felt the same way and God guided me through. These first weeks, we are going to take a look at five women who helped birth God's promise into the world. But before I go any further, I want to pause for a preface. These next four episodes are going to be very heavy on pregnancy narrative and fertility. I want to be clear up front that giving birth to a baby is not the only way that God invites those with uteruses into co-creating new life, love, and justice in the world. It is only one of the many ways. All people, of all and no genders, are co-creators with God. We create art, music, literature, poetry. We tend the earth, growing plants and nurturing animals. We show love to the children of our siblings and friends. We build community, we find families, and we create. God is present in all of these things. But because of the patriarchy that existed when the Bible was recorded, Having children is one of the most common and most often talked about examples of how people with uteruses participate in the kingdom of God. But being a mother or parent, giving birth, fertility, infertility, and barrenness are all so complicated and often come with really big emotions. Some people want nothing more than to be a parent to children, but aren't. Some didn't want to be parents, but are. People become parents and mothers through birth, adoption, fostering, and marriage. For some, the story of conception is beautiful. For others, the story of conception is marked with tears and sorrow. And for others... The story is marked with violence. Some feel let down by their bodies or their partner's bodies because they don't work in the way that they had hoped or would like them to. It's all really, really complicated. In preparing for these episodes, I am realizing the depth of how very gendered parenting and giving birth are in our society. I am still very much doing the work of going through and processing the internalized misogyny, homophobia, and transphobia that are inside of me. So while the primary action of these stories is cisgender women giving birth, 
I deeply believe that God speaks to all people of all and no genders through these stories, even if we never have or never will give birth to a human child. Yet, if listening to these stories about pregnant people in the Bible giving birth isn't something you feel up to right now, I understand. There have been times in my life when these stories would have been very difficult to hear. I want you to take care of yourself. And I hope that you'll stay connected with all places together on Facebook or Instagram. When you see that Thanksgiving episode drop, know that we are done talking about pregnancy for the time being. Please rejoin us then. And until then, know that God sees you and that God loves you wherever, whoever, and however you are. Feel free to stop the episode now. Today we begin this journey with Hagar, whose story is intricately tied to Sarai or Sarah and Abram or Abraham. Those names that had the or there, they refer to the same two people, but God changes their name during their journey with God. We'll get to that in time. Hagar, Sarah, and Abraham sit at the top of some very impressive family trees, both in the literal sense and in the faith ancestor sense too. Hagar and Abraham are the ancestors of Muhammad, the prophet of Islam. Sarah and Abraham are the ancestors of all of the Jewish people and also Jesus, so also sort of all Christians too. And yes, you heard that right. Abraham is the father in both of these cases. We're getting to that. In all ways possible, Hagar was an outsider and at the bottom of the social hierarchy at the time. Hagar was from a different country. She was a woman and she was enslaved. Hagar would have been seen as property to both Sarai and Abram. She also suffered abuse from both Sarai and Abram. One of the biggest abuses is this. When Sarai and Abram were not able to conceive a child, even after God had promised them descendants as many as the stars, Sarai decided to give Abram permission to have sex with Hagar. Hagar did not have the option to consent to being with Abraham. She was enslaved. Hagar does eventually become pregnant with Abram's child. And even though this is what Sarai wanted and designed to have happened, Sarai is pissed about it. She is jealous. Sarai further abuses Hagar because of her anger. So much so that Hagar runs away into the wilderness to get away from Sarai. And this is where we pick up Hagar's story today. She is in the wilderness figuring out what is going to come next for her. I'll read from Genesis 16, verses 7 to 13. And the translation I'll be reading is by Dr. Wilda C. Gaffney and is published in A Woman's Lectionary for the Whole Church. I'll share more details about this resource in the show notes. And one other detail. A mark of Gaffney's translation 
is that she uses alternate names for God instead of Lord, that work towards a more inclusive and less male-centric understanding of God. In this reading, you'll hear God or Lord referred to as things like the all-seeing God or fount of life. So here it is, Genesis 16. Now the messenger of the all-seeing God found Hagar by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And the messenger said, Hagar, slave girl of Sarai, where have you come? And where are you going? And she said, From my mistress Sarai am I fleeing. The messenger of the inscrutable God said to her, Return to your mistress and subject yourself to her. The messenger of the wellspring of life said to Hagar, Greatly will I multiply your seed, so they cannot be counted for multitude. Then the messenger of the fount of life said to her, Look, you are pregnant and shall give birth to a son, and you shall call him Ishmael, meaning God hears. For the faithful one has heard of your abuse. He shall be a wild ass of a man with his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall live in the sight of all of his kin. So Hagar named the living God who spoke to her. You are Elroi. For she said, Have I really seen God and remained alive after seeing God? Here ends the reading. There is so much to explore within Hagar's story, even just looking at these few verses here. But I'm immediately concerned with the messenger of God telling Hagar to return to her abusive enslavers. This is certainly one of a variety of biblical verses that have been used to justify slavery throughout history. There are other resources that dig into the historical context of that particular phrase, but that's not my expertise and that's not the focus of what I want to share today. Instead, just let me be really clear in saying that slavery is against God's hope for the world. And at the same time, we can't separate the truth of Hagar's enslavement from the situation at hand. Hagar was enslaved, a woman and a foreigner. And she is being abused by those whom God has chosen to change the world through. God chose Abram and Sarai particularly to be the bearers of this covenant. And these chosen ones, they are at the same time enslavers, abusers, and they are not caring for the foreigner among them. So let's just sit with that for a breath. I'll be reading from Sarai's story next week, so we'll see a little bit more about how God works in and through her. But I think it is important to be explicitly clear that Sarai and Abram were not perfect and blameless people. Yet the power of Hagar's story to me is amplified because of this truth. 
God does not hold her status against her. This status that has been assigned to her by other people. God does not limit themselves to working only with Abram and Sarai, these chosen ones. And God takes a horrible situation and brings new life through it. God sees Hagar. God provides for Hagar. And God and Hagar birth a whole new faith together. Muslims are the faith cousins to Jewish people and to Christians through this story. When Sarai eventually kicks Hagar and her grown son out of the family because of Sarai's own insecurities and jealousies for Sarai's son, God watches over Hagar and Ishmael in the wilderness, making sure that they both survive and that Ishmael becomes a grown adult who eventually has his own family. And something else remarkable happens in what we read today, too. Hagar is the first person in the Hebrew scripture who calls God by a name. I'm going to read that final verse again. So Hagar named the living God who spoke to her. You are El Royai. For she said, have I really seen God and remained alive after seeing God? El Royai means the God who sees me in Hebrew. This name for God is used other times throughout the Hebrew scriptures as well. So it's not just a one-and-done name that Hagar gives. This is a name that persists and is continued to be used. Hagar's naming God is a huge deal. Even Adam and their family don't name God. Noah and his family don't name God. No one in Babel names God. And Sarah and Abraham don't name God either. And those are all of the named groups of people in Genesis so far. So no one else has named God yet. And Hagar does. One of the things that this means for us today and throughout history is that if you are someone whom God's, quote, chosen people, end quote, have abused, cast out, discredited, or forgotten. That does not mean that God has left you. In fact, I think this story shows how much God sees you. Moreover, God knows when their people are acting poorly, and they know that it is not a good look and not what their people are supposed to be about. And while other people may not see you for who you truly are, which is a beloved child of God, God does see you. God sees you and wants to be with you and provide for you. God sees the parts of ourselves that we are ashamed of and calls us beloved. God sees the parts of ourselves that we are still making sense of and calls us beloved. God sees us in our anxiety and depression and does not abandon us there. God knows that we are not defined by our talents and skills, and at the same time, God sees those talents and skills and thinks that they are amazing. You play an instrument? 
You can format an Excel sheet in two minutes flat. You reached a physical ability milestone. Amazing. God sees that and thinks it is amazing. And at the same time, God sees you in your full personhood and loves you just as much when you are doing nothing. God sees you in your regular daily life and loves you there in the ordinariness of it all. I give thanks for the witness and life of Hagar, for her fortitude, for her giving birth to Ishmael, for being the mother of of faith, and above all else, for naming God. God sees and loves Hagar. God sees and loves me. God sees and loves you. A prayer for those that God sees. All-seeing God, you saw Hagar when no one else did. You provided for her when no one else would. You treated her as a whole person and co-created an entire faith with her when others saw her as a piece of property. When I feel cast out from the world, Remind me that you see me, that there is nowhere I can go that your presence cannot go with me. Open me up to truly see and know those in the world around me too. Where there is hierarchy and division and abuse of others, unite my actions with those others to break down those systems that oppress so that all people of the world may be seen in their fullness and in their belovedness. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone you know in these stories today, we hope you heard God too. I was blown away this past week by the number of folks who shared that last week's episode, however, was so meaningful to them. If you're still on the fence about trying therapy the first time, let me say that J, K, and L, first letters of their names only to honor their privacy, all shared how transformative therapy has been in their lives. It is certainly a gift from God. Also, y'all had me rolling with your emotions on the prayer post from this past week. If you haven't seen it, go check it out on Instagram and Facebook and add your emoji. Let us know how you're doing. To continue to see all Places Together grow, you can give through our website, Scroll to the bottom where it says Give to All Places Together and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. 
Thanks, as always, to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and people like you who have shared contributions. We know it can be hard to give financially. We celebrate all the ways you share the stories of all places together with the people in your life. I can't tell you how much it meant to me to see the However Prayer appear in so many different people's Instagram stories this past week. To know that this prayer meant so much to you and that you wanted to share that prayer with other people, goodness, it really meant a lot to me. And I hope that you'll share this week's episode with someone who you see God at work in. Whether that work is life-changing or simply life-sustaining, it is powerful and holy. And I know your affirmation will mean so much to them. Until next time, remember that God is with you wherever, whoever, and however you are.